DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by Chris Camerani from The Athletic. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible ba- Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain's giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Chris, Good morning. Good morning. I guess I should be addressing, uh, according to City Weekly, the Sports Reporter of the Year. So, good morning to PK. PK, would you like to say good morning back? Are you Are you done? You're just done with Chris. You're over him. Did that? Did Are you not aware, DJ, that you've been you've been named Sports Reporter of the Year by City Weekly? Uh, I got told that yesterday. Yes, I did hear that. Well, Mazel Tov, my friend. Thank you. Uh, so I wanted to have you on, Chris, because I read a story. I think it's your most recent story. Um, I recently uh, be- became aware that, uh, well, we've all known message boards are crazy for a while. I didn't realize yeah. that someone was tracking all message boards and yep. putting out either the best of the best or perhaps you would prefer the worst of the worst. <laughs> and. And aggregating all of these crazy comments about people who must be fired. I had three mm. different U fans tweeting at me that if Kyle loses to Arizona, he must be fired. Now, on multiple levels, that drove me nuts. One, mm. the game was going on. Nobody's lost anything yet. Watch the game. Number two, they kept sending it even when the youths were ahead. And number three, does any one game outweigh all this body of work and the trajectory of the program? Does that make any sense on any level? But it's not unique to the fan base. And one fan base said, this isn't just a you thing. And I tweeted back and said, well, yeah, here, check out this Twitter follow. Now go ahead and pick this up, how you, how you found out about this aggregation of crazy uh, takes in, uh, that surround college football. Yeah, so um, interestingly enough, it's uh, a, a guy who has local ties to us here. He's blew the guy my mind when I saw that. Yeah, yeah blew yeah. my mind. It's an Aggie. Unbelievable. It is, it is an Aggie, yeah. So um, his name is Pete. Out of uh, respect for what he does for a living, um, he asked not to be identified because he doesn't want his uh, bosses to know how much time he wastes on a daily basis. I guess waste is uh, subjective because he's doing – uh, important work for the college football community uh, to some. But, yeah, the the story is, the genesis is, is this is a guy who went to Utah State um, who, you know, remembers when message boards really first came about and, you know, would visit them during, uh, I think it was the Stu Moral days of, of, you know, Aggie basketball when Aggie football was not great and all he would see would be messages of, you know, this guy needs to be fired. We need to go after this absurd, you know, out-of-the-box hire to turn the program around, so on and so forth. And then it kind of dawned on Pete that, you know, what what is this like everywhere else? Obviously, Utah State Athletics is a very um, niche market uh, from a national perspective. So, uh, you know, last year, before the start of the COVID football season, Pete decided to just start – uh, making the rounds on message boards in various conferences and various schools around the country. And um, he, as you mentioned, DJ, he manages to unearth the most 
uh, egregiously bad, cold takes in sports today. Um, and it's a lot of work. I mean, I talked to him about what, you know, goes on every weekend. He usually just has a bunch of message boards pulled up on his phone or on his, you know, laptop when games are going on. And he just keeps track of the ones that he knows are going to hit. And they're the ones that you can predict the Texases, the Floridas, the A&Ms. And all he does is repurpose the ones that he believes to be absurd. And most of them are absurd. Um, but mind you, this is a this is a grown man with a family. The best part of the story to me is that his wife and kids don't know. He managed, He's still managing to keep this under wraps from them. So when he's at his kids, you know, Saturday rec league games, he's looking at his phone and maybe they think he's, you know, doing some work text. But in reality, he's checking the temperature of a very angry fan base somewhere across the country. <laughs> no, all right. Well, that's a nonstop job, I guess. It'll never, uh, it'll never change. It'll probably only grow worse. And yeah. all the, uh, all the stuff there. I mean, I get it. I get hammered on that stuff, but uh, I take it as a sign of victory. The more they're talking about you, the more. Uh, and they say, "Oh, I haven't listened in years." Yeah, yeah, I got you. I, 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 I hear what you say. And meanwhile, the checks keep coming twice a month. So, good for you. You haven't listened in a long time. Well. I've been paid for a long time doing a job that I love, so you end up working on that. But what I saw on that side is I think there was four predictions from athletic people, and three, mm. and you were you were one of them, and three of them had Utah winning, and you were not one of them. That was not me, PK. That might have been another Chris who was on staff. You liar, liar, liar. <laughs> <laughs> I think by now you guys both know me well enough that I would never, you know, comfortably put myself out into the, the terrors of the Internet and predicting something to happen one way or the other. It is a oblong uh, ball filled with pigskin. I have no idea how it's going to bounce. Um, I will say this. My wife keeps asking me if the youths make the Rose Bowl, will we be able to go? I say, well, they have to do one of two things in the next three weeks. They need to beat Oregon once to impress the Rose Bowl committee enough, or if they lose twice, they need to cross every finger and toe they have possible and hope that the Rose Bowl still finds them interesting enough. So we'll see. I, I mean, I think it'll be, it'll be a good game. This will be the first really, really good team that Utah has faced this season. Obviously, BYU is, is really impressive this year, San Diego State as well. But from a Pac-12 perspective, Utah just hasn't played anybody great this year. And it's going to be a stiff test, guys. I, don't, I, I think I'm preaching to the choir here, but it's going to be their most difficult test to date. And then they're going to see these guys again in three weeks, presumably, unless they don't have a repeat of the 2011 Utah-Colorado game. How much faith, and you've, you've been around Utah football for a long time, how much faith do you have in the offense? Because they're cranking out these 450-yard games every week. Kyle Whittingham keeps mentioning that. This is a run that we really haven't seen out of their offense very often, going back to, well, probably going back to Urban in 2004, maybe. Even the Sugar Bowl team in 08 didn't score like this. Yeah, I guess I will just be cautionary in the sense that 
they played bad teams, guys. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like the reality is, is if Utah plays, you know, Oregon earlier in the year, maybe we're having a different conversation. Or if their non-conference schedule features somebody who's who's very good, maybe we're having a different conversation. Utah's doing what it should be doing. They should be putting up a lot of points against teams who are inferior to them. Um, it is a backwards Kyle Whittingham team, though, I think. You know, you're seeing Utah having a difficult time stopping the run. Um, defensively, they're okay. They're not, you know, what we've expected them to be historically. And offensively, once, they, once the line got it figured out and once Tavion Thomas was able to hold onto the football – uh, it changed the complexion of the offense, obviously, in addition to uh, Cam Rising taking over at quarterback. Um, but I, I just, I just want to be cautionary here because I, while I understand that Utah is offensively impressive, um, you know, they're still putting up points against teams that they should be putting up points against because they are nowhere near the talent level or the expectation level of where the youths are. And I say that, yes, I say that to the USC's and the. UCLA is and maybe the Arizona State. Yeah. And I also think too on the other side of it, they've placed played three teams that didn't have their quarterback. Three. Yep. Yeah. That's in, that's crazy. Uh and that doesn't count uh Arizona, I don't think. Uh with and they, but they should have beat them no matter what. Uh so you can say, well, you know, they've taken they got luck, but you know, the other teams stink. But that's not Utah's fault. No, no, that's true. No, you're right. I mean, I, listen, you, you play who's in front of you. I get that. Um, but eventually, if you're going to have the kind of season that you want, you're going to have to come across a team that um, on paper is better than you. And if we're being honest, Oregon on paper is better than Utah. Um, there's a reason why they went to Ohio State and became the first team to beat the Buckeyes in the shoe in like five years or whatever it is. That, this, is the, this is the reality of the situation. That's not to say that Utah can't match up well against Oregon. Um, but listen, guys, they're gonna, whoever is you know, at left tackle on Saturday is, is going to be tasked with trying to, trying to block the likely number one pick in next year's draft. Utah has not seen that this year. They're going to be tasked with guarding a bunch of receivers who, let's not forget, smoked – uh, a defense that was filled with pros two years ago yeah. in the Pac-12 title game. So yep. um, we have to operate in the realm of logic. And sure, Utah will have an advantage at home, um, I guess. I mean, there have, been, there have been games historically where there was a really high-profile team that came into Rice-Eccles Stadium and, and Utah won surprisingly. But there is also the, the antithesis of that. I think everybody remembers the TCU game of 2010. So um, there, there is some historical context to this game. I understand that it was a long time ago, whether it was the Stanford win or the TCU loss. Um, but, but Utah has its hands full, and the reality is, is they're going to have to play easily their best game of the year this time around and likely do it even better in two or three weeks if they're lucky enough to match up against the Ducks in Vegas. So I was willing to take you at face value that Chris Vanini was not your, uh, you know, your alter ego and that you were not the one who picked Oregon. But now that I listen to you talk, yeah, I'm not buying the whole doppelganger thing. I, I, think, I think you've just used an assumed name. <laughs> well, I don't know if it would make sense to have a, have a pen name A be so close to mine <laughs> and, and B somebody who basically does the exact same thing that I do only better. So, um, 
Maybe maybe I'm that good at fooling them, but I don't know, DJ. I wouldn't give myself that much credit. Well, for you fans, I'm looking at the athletic picks right now, and uh, the, you know, Ari, Ari Wasserman believes in the Utes, and Jason Sterrett believes in the Utes. So. Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting. Ari is our lead recruiting writer, and he, he, he delves into the, the hellhole that is you know, everyday recruiting across the, the country. So if, if Ari believes that Utah's merry band of three and maybe some four-star recruits can upset the five-star laden ducks, then Utah fans must be stoked about it. But again, we'd, let's, uh, let's see how Saturday plays out. I will say, too, guys, the one thing that I'm looking at is – Anthony Brown isn't a great quarterback, but he's a quarterback that Utah hasn't necessarily faced this year. And by that, I'm meaning a guy that, that purposely wants to put the ball on the ground and run himself. I think Jaron Hall burned the youth a lot earlier on this year with his ability to extend plays. Um, Jaden Daniels didn't do you know a ton in that ASU game, but this is a guy that's going to make life difficult for the Utah defense. And let's not forget... And, and maybe, you know, Kyle and Morgan and that staff are looking at the 2019 title game. You know, the Ducks schemed Justin Herbert running on this defense, and that really changed the complexion of the game. So this is going to be, as I mentioned before, this young defense's most stiff test today, and I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. Yeah, I actually think that the key to this win or the key to the loss for Oregon's, from Oregon's perspective, whichever, whichever way it goes, is – that it boils down to how well Brown plays and yeah. how many plays he's able to make, whether it's through the air or th- on the ground, it doesn't matter. Because I think that the other guys in Oregon's offense will do what they do. And so I think Lincoln, Kelly, Lincoln Kennedy disagreed with me, but I think it boils down mm-hmm. to Brown. And if he's playing well, they've got a good chance to win. If he's not, then I like Utah's chances. Yeah, I mean, listen, can can Morgan and that staff dial up enough pressure to make life difficult for this guy? Um, I mean, and let's be honest, I've already mentioned this, but this is not going to be the most difficult place that he's played in this year on the road. I mean, he was the starting quarterback when Oregon won in Columbus. So, but the reality is, is you know, as you mentioned, PK, Oregon has guys that can that can hurt Utah. It's just a matter of limiting the most important guy on the field, and then the most important guy on the field in football is always the quarterback. So, yeah, you know, the the secondary will will have its hands full with the Johnsons and the Pittmans and whomever. Utah will have to figure out how to you know get turnovers in this game. I mean, I I don't know why it's coming to mind, but I think of that Cal Utah game like five years ago when Jared Goff rolled in and. I think Utah picked him up, picked him off like five or six times. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think this is the type of game where the Utah defense has to pronounce itself the uh, the alpha if Utah wants to have a chance to win. Well, it'll take a lot of discipline because it's like the uh, when Utah was playing Air Force back in the day. They run, they run, they run some more, and the play action they roll them out. And does he hit on a deep ball? Well, yeah, does he hit on a deep ball? And unlike Air Force. Anthony Brown is going to be throwing to future NFL wide receivers. Yeah, but if he throws it five yards over their head, to PK's point, if he's not on, you know, if he throws, he's got some guy wide open going down the sideline and he throws it out of bounds, uh, the NFL receiver, future NFL <laughs> receiver, can't move the sideline, you know? That's, that's, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, I, I, the other thing, too, is we haven't talked about is, uh, you know, the secondary is young, it's mm-hmm. inexperienced, it's beat up, frankly. I mean, they've. 
They've lost, uh, you know, one of their starting quarterbacks presumably for the year for a while now. Another quarterback got hurt last week in the win against Arizona. Um, I think Vontae Davis is still technically playing with one hand, so um, it's going to be it's going to be difficult. I think I will caution mute fans who are smelling roses to get through Saturday first. Yeah, it's kind of funny in that. In a sense, as far as roses go, mm-hmm. this game doesn't really even matter. <laughs> I don't know, the, PK. They, they got to beat know, him in like, three weeks. They got to beat him that first yeah. week of December. So my question to you is: If they win to, on Saturday and lose, then yeah, they, I guess you're right. Because yeah, because yeah, Oregon. Yeah, if will they go, win, because Oregon's yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, yeah, it's yeah. This is so like my, a so, like a preliminary. <laughs> So if Utah now, you don't want to get twice. beat forty-two to seven, but right, if you don't right. win, if they don't win and it's a good game and there's a winner and loser in every game, it's the way it is. If I if Utah plays them tough, uh, I'm not that discouraged. Actually, yeah. I have to see the complexion of the game because Oregon's going to have to do it twice. If yeah. they do it twice, then of course, then they go to. Uh, the playoff most likely because I'm assuming then that they beat Oregon State and yep. they don't lose. It would be a, a just gosh, man. If they uh, if they were to beat Utah twice and fall out of the rankings without losing to Oregon State, I would go berserko on that. I just can't <laughs> see that. So I mean, I'm not discounting the level of importance. Every game's a big yeah. deal, and for Utah to you know to win is is a, is a big deal, no doubt about it. But they're going to have to do it again in Vegas. Yeah. My question to you guys, though, is does an 8-5 and five Utah team that's lost twice to the number three team in the nation in three weeks get the Rose Bowl invite? If I think if, it's, if they're really good games, I, I still think they go. Yeah. But there's a possibility that UCLA wins out, beats USC, beats Cal, and is 8-4, and four, and the Utes are in the Alamo Bowl. Hmm. So yeah. I don't think it's a guarantee just because they go to a Pac-12 title game and lose. I don't think there's a guarantee that the Utes will end up in the Rose Bowl. The Rose, so Bowl, saying- get, <laughs> the Rose Bowl get to choose, and I think at that point they might take 8-4 UCLA, it, assuming wow. UCLA can get there. I mean, maybe wow. USC beats UCLA. So Could you imagine? I mean, like you guys would be set up for decades with, <laughs> with, the, with the amount of anger and – I mean, I would have to find something else new to write about from a pissed-off fan perspective if that happened. Because <laughs> I think, I think you would see. I think you. I, I honestly think, guys. Like, I think if that was the case, I think Utah fans would be way more upset about that than say that O four team not getting a shot. Huh? You what know? about what I mean, about nine and three ASU? If ASU wins at Oregon State this week, and they may not, but even if they don't, they could be eight and four. Mm. No, there's no well, way they go the over case, an eight yeah. four to, with a team on probation, which yeah. uh, coaches may they got to be nine. And, they got to be nine and three. Yeah, yeah, maybe nine and three because Herm's a story, but he's also yeah. a scarred story now too. Uh, and I still think they go. I think if they're, if they're close losses, I think they go. Well, I guess Utah fans should be cheering for uh, Corner Canyon alum Jackson Dart when the Trojans face. UCLA, because I just read that he's making his first career yep. start against the Bruins. Yep, so. he is. Well, yeah, I would, I would root for that. Absolutely, I'd root for that. 
Well, Chris, we appreciate a few minutes. What do you got? Uh, what do you work on next? Can you tell us? Uh, you probably kept that bored geniuses story under wraps. Which, by the way, I just found that hilarious. And oh, my man. wife asked me why I was laughing because I was reading it Saturday, and uh, and I said, and I so I told her what was going on, and she's like, "This guy, his his wife and kids don't know." And I'm like, "He might be mm. onto something, though. He's at thirty thousand followers and accelerating. I mean, who's to say? There's people making money off YouTube and TikTok. Who's to say?" It's all about engagement, DJ. It's all about engagement. Um, no, I have a, I have a couple things coming. Um, nothing that I can tease right now, but um, some national related stuff, some local related stuff. So I'm sure in the next few weeks we'll be chatting soon. All right. Good luck, Chris. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate right. you, Chris Camerani, the Athletic. And he wasn't kidding. It really was Chris Vanini who picked Oregon. It wasn't him. He didn't do it, PK. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. I'm looking at it. <laughs> it's Chris Vanini who picked Oregon. All the other three guys picked the Utes. All right, DJ and PK coming up 8.30. We're giving away more tickets to see the Jazz and the Raptors. And we will do that right on the other side of this break. DJ and PK, visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Utah Jazz game where there are free pop shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. We'll give away the Jazz Raptor tickets next. And we've got uh, Antoine Staley, Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Gene Register Guard, joining us coming up at 9.30 right here on The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Blake Anderson, head coach at Utah State. You talk about 1-0, and and uh, but you are dealing with uh, you know kids that are on social media. They see what's going on. I know you mentioned you addressed it a little bit last week. Is that something you address again, or you feel like that message is sent across to these guys, knowing that, hey, block out what's out there, just focus on Wyoming, and everything else will take care of itself? I really did talk to them about drowning out the noise and having laser focus on the job that is at hand and, and doing what we have to do, and there's nothing going to be easy. It gets even harder. To me, the more tendencies you have, attrition is taking hold, there's extra expectations and pressure that you didn't have at the beginning of the season, it gets tougher and tougher to maintain that. It's got to be important enough to us we're willing to go out and pay the price to earn it, and I think that starts at practice. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com We promise Jazz Raptor tickets. We're delivering Jazz Raptor tickets. Jazz and Raptors tonight. Game tips off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game starts at 6 here on the Zone Sports Network. We got two tickets to the game. Be caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Two more tickets coming up at 9.30 and at half past the hour all day long. Every show right here on the Zone Sports Network. All right, PK, got a couple questions up here. Uh, we had one, we were discussing Kyle Whittingham earlier. Rudy Gay, the focus of the other question. Rudy Gay listed as probable for Thursday's game. That's tonight's game with the Raptors. What are your expectations for him the rest of the season? Got a lot of people weighing in, and the expectations uh, pretty high because Jazz fans want this team to be good. They expect this team to be good. Moses, undefeated. Okay, that's a little high there, big guy. Brian, provides solid leadership both on the court and in the locker room. Is this a team crying out for leadership, PK? I mean, I guess it can't hurt if you get more leadership. 
Well, I think that would hurt is if you get guys, I don't think this would be the case, I have no reason to suspect this, but guys thinking that, okay, I want mine, uh, you know, I'm coming here, and sure, I said what I said, but now it's about what I could bring and what am I going to get, and so you don't want guys who are going to disrupt what they've got going. I think that's the most important thing. So on the court, what is he going to bring? I know there's a lot of talk about him as the backup five, but uh, the Hassan Whiteside experiment has gone just about as well as anyone could expect, I would think. So I don't know how much, maybe in specific situations, there'd be a specific matchup, but I don't think there's a lot that's needed there. Do you? Not right now, but it's a long season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen and what type of the, especially when you get in the postseason and everything is heightened and the uh, the scouting and the coaching and all is all magnified far greater than it is in the regular season. Uh, so and the stakes obviously are just a million times higher. So maybe not now, but at some point, in he's brought in it's same the same way that I don't think Pascal was brought in to play big minutes right off the start, but with Gay being out. He's maybe getting a little more time, so you you don't know what it's going to be. Uh, I want to see. I'm interested to see just how they use him because I think they got to play him. Uh, you know, he's not just as strictly an insurance policy like Ilyasova was last year. I don't see that. No, I, I'm uh, totally so. with you on that. I, the question is, there's a couple different ways to use him, and how will they use him, and whose minutes will he take? Um, Pascal is the obvious, but maybe there's more minutes and maybe they come from somebody else and in what combinations. So that remains to be seen. And that may be a little bit of trial and error. You know, give something a run for eight games, yeah, see how yeah, it works, I mean, and it will be. then try something else for eight games. So, I mean, I wouldn't evaluate the Rudy Gay situation minimally until Christmas uh, and see how that goes. But I'm, I'm looking at Locke's thing, and this, this is such bad news, Sniggy. I mean... Toronto might be the biggest matchup problem in the NBA for the Jazz. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is according to Lou uh, Lou Holtz. I mean David Locke. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get David on tomorrow. I'm going to ask him. They're the biggest matchup problem. How are the Warriors as a matchup problem? Who's I'm matching up right with, now? Who's matching up with Steph Curry? The Toronto Raptors are in town, and they might be the biggest matchup problem for the in the NBA for the Utah it, Jazz. It's there. I saw. I saw it earlier too. I believe him. I just don't believe him. I believe you. I don't believe David. How about that? Oh, man. And that is based on where where do the matchup problems begin? Is it because of Siakam? Is that where he starts, or does he start somewhere else? Hell if I know. (laughs) (laughs) If you got a rhino and an elephant. I don't know where the biggest matchup problems are with the Toronto Raptors. I just uh, It's hard for me to be that invested. I've never been that invested in uh, a team to where I'm going to take a 7-8 and eight team uh, and think that they're going to be the biggest matchup. But he was saying that about the Orlando Magic, and I was having a text exchange with him. Uh, and then the Magic won. Yeah, oh, and he let me have it. (laughs) (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) A lot of people could sign off on that. I won't let PK have it. (laughs) But there's a difference between being a matchup problem and being the biggest matchup problem. 
Lots of teams can uh, yeah, be matchup problems. Sell it, and sell you got man. Well, okay. So <laughs> then why are you cracking on him? Because you could appreciate I'm not that. Cracking on him. Oh, you are too. Oh, own it. Come and on. You're not. And oh, you're come not. on. I am. And you're I'll not. own it. I said there's a difference between a matchup problem and the biggest matchup problem. I don't believe they're the biggest matchup problem. He's a fan. I don't he wants believe the team it. to win. Okay, the worst that's, that's going to happen is over is that you don't meet expectations. And underachieving is the but, worst thing you can do in sports, if not in life. But so nothing, set the bar really low so they don't underachieve. But the bar is set. Come on, you know the answer to this. Man, you're good at this, PK. I have to admit you're good at this. <laughs> <laughs> you know that nothing he says is going to change the fact that Jazz fans want a championship like they've wanted for 30 years, 30-plus years. Right, but he's going to spin it as he spins it, though. It can't be fun. They won a championship. If they get knocked out in the playoffs, oh. it'll be disappointing. I mean, if you get to a conference final and you're injured and you're shorthanded, then there's this easy excuse. But largely, if they lose a playoff series, people are going to be disappointed. They're so close now. They've had the best record in the NBA. Sp- and tons of people spun it. Conley and Mitchell last year. Yeah, right. But it was still So dis- there's always a spin. Right, but it was still there's, disappointing. If you're a hardcore fan, it's very rarely... We just weren't good enough. Or our coaches didn't uh, do anything. Make the I right mean, there's adjustments. Been, there's or zero criticism against Quinn Snyder in this community. Zero. Yeah, that's true. By the media. They but, love the guy. But at he the same time. He people and do things. They absolutely love him. He has no criticism. He's minute, like just, he's untouchable. Is Quinn texting you? He's untouchable. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. But I think if you talk to 100 Jazz fans about last year, at least 95 would say that was disappointing. You're right. They I would didn't say crack there would be 101 on. One would say that. Uh, okay, but but it was okay. It's you're two different things. You're saying disappointing. Of course, every game you lose is disappointing. But there's always mitigating circumstances. It's like it wasn't their fault. It's not Quinn's fault. It's not the players' fault. I literally read. It's not Quinn Snyder's fault. I said, "What the heck are you talking about?" <laughs> it's- it's everybody's fault. I'm of the belief that you win and lose as a team. It's no individual's fault, but it's but everybody's it's, fault. It's partially everybody's fault, but no one person has to own all of it. No, absolutely not. But everybody needs to own it. I believe fully, even the even the Bulls with Jordan, the ultimate superstar, you win as a team. And I get that. That's the whole thing of Pippen. Now he's trying to sell a book here. So you got to understand his agenda as he's coming out with his inflammatory statements to sell this book. But at the same time, he's what he's basically saying is, I didn't get enough credit. Right? Yes. I think that's the whole point of yes. it. And from that perspective, I agree because that, what was it called? The dance or whatever it's called? The last dance. And the whole thing was to just glorify Jordan for 10 hours. And he's there, well, wait a second. I was so pretty from that good, perspective, guys. <laughs> yeah, I agree with him. He was. Yeah. Because I've always believed, even the superstars, no matter who you are, you have to have role players doing their thing. And so, yeah, their role may not be as important, but it's still vitally important. So I believe you win and lose as a team. And you need the superstar to do his superstar stuff, too. Sure. But then you need some Yahoo like Terrence Mann in that particular game to go off. And he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so the- how much, is all, although it's no one person's fault, don't you think there was a lot of criticism of the way the roster was constructed 
and that Ooh. it wasn't flexible enough, and that is part of the reason Dennis Lindsay is gone? Certainly not the only reason, but it is part of the reason. Not everyone in the organization okay. wanted to draft Azubuike. And not yeah, everyone fine. in the organization thought Favors was the right backup center, especially given his physical limitations. Right, At and all the Quinn Snyder lovers are so quick to point that out. Right. Because I've had it pointed out to me right. by Quinn Snyder lovers. And I say, yeah, how about Mitchell? How about Gobert? How about Ingles? How about O'Neal? How about Clarkson? Sure, Dennis Lindsay was not the greatest, and he was perfect, but who is? Right, but the thought that no one was held accountable. And when people say held accountable, they want people fired. Ah, I don't know about that. You don't. I think you're slow to pull the, despite all your tough talk, you're slow to, to make that call and make that decision. You've been over it a million times. Too much turnover is a problem. But it's not like there was no turnover. I mean, the guy who, was, who orchestrated the whole thing, and if he's got to take the blame for not getting him to the championship, then he's got to take the credit for the 50-win seasons and the first-round playoff win. And getting, yeah, really, sure, getting yeah. really good players in the middle of the first round and the end of the first round and the Nuggets, the two trades with the Nuggets on draft night. So, and, and, and that wasn't just about what happened on the court. You know, there's personalities and there's yeah, conflict long-term. Right. I, know, I know you right. do, but to explain it to the listener, it was okay. not strictly a WNL decision not that W's and L's weren't a factor, but it wasn't strictly that. I just want to—I want to make clear that what, what you said, the thing that I that I that I specifically said, I don't know about that, is I don't know that holding people accountable has to equate with termination every time. I don't think it does in your world, but I think out there at Board Geniuses, we just talked to Chris Camrani about that. When people say that, I think that's mostly what they mean. I hadn't really thought about it, but for me, I definitely know I'm all for holding people accountable. Absolutely. And you hold me accountable. I hold you accountable. Uh, Yak holds us accountable. We hold him accountable. DJ, the do the read. DJ. Well, it's the only way you're, you're going <laughs> to succeed. Welcome to my job. It, it really is. Yeah. De- details matter a lot. No one yeah. detail matters a lot, but all the details together matter a lot. It's always been a philosophy of mine, yeah. All things matter. No one thing is uh, the ultimate decider, but all things matter. And uh, who was it? Uh, the other day we were talking about holding refs accountable, and they are held. Oh, I think it was Mitchell was talking about it. I think they are held accountable. And in your example, a lot of that accountability that they're held to does equal termination. I don't know that that's necessarily the case, and I'm, I'm real hesitant to run around just flippantly saying fire X, Y, Z. Uh, I, I just don't I don't believe in that, uh, but I be- I certainly believe in holding people accountable because that's the way you're going to ex- to succeed. I need to know that you're going to do your job, and I know you. When I speak to you, this is me speaking to you. I know I can count on you to do your job. I just know it. And there was there was one time when I was working for Channel Two and we had it all set up, and I was supposed to be down at uh, BYU at their scrimmage, and. A guy calls you because he doesn't see me. Oh yeah, in yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and you call me on a Saturday morning because he's all panicked because we set up this meeting and I'm going to do it for Channel Two to get all the yeah, you know the, the interviews the and everything. Hold the mic, ask the questions, and, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we set it up 
okay, I'll be there, 9 o'clock, Saturday morning, blah, blah, blah. And then we go out there. He doesn't see me there at 9.01, and he calls you. Uh-huh. He did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> well, I was sitting up in, in the, the stands, stands because you can get a better view as opposed to being out on the field. So I sat about 20 rows up midfield so I could see what's going on better. And you call me, and I answer, hello? Like, what are you calling me for? Hello? <laughs> Oh, you're there because you could hear the noise in the I background. Heard, I heard it right away. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you knew, in fact, you were surprised. Well, maybe you had a flat tire or something's up. Right. That's probably why you called, not to see, are you going? <laughs> no. What happened that you wouldn't be there? Because you knew I would be there. And I was there. And he didn't know me well enough at the time <laughs> to think that I wasn't there. And it was yeah. kind of a joke. Of course I was going to be and there. I said I was going to be the, there. The better thing about you showing up is you calling on a Super Bowl coming down to the station on Super Bowl Sunday. I don't, I don't really feel like coming in today. I'm not feeling it. I don't think I'm going to be there. <laughs> And you text a guy that, and he starts to freak out, and he shows it to me. I'm like, I think that means he's at a red light, and he's bored. <laughs> he's close. He's off the freeway. He's not texting and driving. He's sitting at a long red downtown on 600 South. <laughs> yeah, you said, oh, he'll be in in five minutes. Yep. In five minutes, I walk in the door. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he's just gotta... So I'm all for holding people accountable, I think, and that's, that's the way you win. Yeah, absolutely. But I, it, it's, holding people accountable sort of has a negative connotation, and it doesn't have to necessarily have to be a negative connotation. I get that. Well, I, I think it is negative, but maybe not as negative uh, as it gets portrayed. But in a world just where that Washington, I can count on you. But in in a world where yeah, but in a world where Texas Tech can fire their football coach in his third season with a winning record, and where Washington doesn't even have to give a guy twenty games. That's what accountable has come to me. Well, the only thing I could think of was on that is that there's stuff going on behind the scenes that oh, yeah, you yeah. Know, we're not necessarily aware of that it's manifest on Saturdays. And the AD did say that in, uh, in the Washington case. to yeah. Washington. So, uh, but I believe everyone should celebrate the wins and everyone should take uh, responsibility for the losses. In fact, that's what I want. Yeah, I want if the Jazz would they're going to lose whatever their next game is that they lose. I want each. I'd much rather have each guy say, "What can I do to make sure we're better?" Rather than, "Well, hell, I did my part. Don't blame me." That's like the last <laughs> thing I would want. That would be an awesome post game bite. Hey, I did my part. Don't blame me. Well, nobody would say it. I know, but, but I want them to say it. That'd be a great bite. <laughs> but I would hate. I would certainly hate for them to. Think no, it's that. more. It's more likely to be thought or implied. But I don't even want them to think, and I know we're all human and we do think those things, but I think in in order to achieve the ultimate goal, you have to have folks going in the same direction. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up at 930, we're giving away two more tickets to see the Jazz and the Toronto Raptors tonight. Also, Antoine Staley, Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Eugene Register Guard, joining us at 930 right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The new zone lineup is here with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com.
DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Football Fridays are presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. So, PK, we got a football Friday coming up. we got, a, uh, obviously, a big game with Utah and Oregon, superseded only by, well, what could be a much bigger game with higher stakes in two weeks. Yeah. But they still need a win, or an ASU lost, to clinch that ticket to the Pac-12 title game. Utah State, their magic number's sitting at two, and they've got Wyoming at home for senior day. And Wyoming, after a fast start, has lost five out of six games. And yep. then they go to New Mexico. How confident? Can you put a number on it? Are you like 80% confident, 90% confident? How confident are you we're going to have two teams in conference title games in the Pac-12 and Mountain West? Oh, my gosh. I'm like 99% Utah. And because Utah State is new at this, I would go about uh, 80%. Ah, I was thinking you were going to go 90. But the point is, really looking good to have two teams in two big games in two weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's yeah. sitting right there. I'm anticipating there. being in Vegas uh, at uh, the Legion Stadium for the Utes and the Ducks. I mean, I really want it to happen, obviously. Uh, and that's my full anticipation. I would be stunned otherwise. The Aggies, I would cut them a little bit more of a break because everything is new. Uh, with them, but uh, I certainly expect them to beat New Mexico. But at the same time, man, they let Vegas hang around, hang around, hang around. Now, they they finished them off, but that was a winless Vegas team. Maybe they were a little bit better than winless at the time. I think they've since won a couple of ball games. Uh, so I, I have that in my mind. And uh, if they I almost screwed Bonner, it up, if they almost screwed know, three, it up four in times a game in yeah. my mind, holding various body parts as he just <laughs> sort of uh, makes his way, almost like he's going to pass out to the sidelines. Uh, and so, uh, who knows what can happen there? But the Utes, yeah, this would be at the if they don't do this, this would be their biggest gag ever. Uh, and, and and they don't even need it. And the funny thing is, they don't even need to win. They can lose. I think the Devils, to, yeah. they've always had a hard time going up to uh, Corvallis, and it seems like they've gone up there 17 years in a row. And every. And every time they get beat. And that's a little bit of an overstatement, but nonetheless, when you're a fan and you're following it, then you get a little, uh, you get a little scarred by that. You know, the interesting thing is that. Uh, for the Aggies, and yes, it's true, the Aggies uh, nearly screwed up against uh, UNLV and nearly blew that game and scored right at the end to win it. But, and Vegas has won a couple times since then. They were winless at the time. And when they broke their eight-game losing streak, they beat New Mexico. The team the Aggies still get to play. It really does set up well for both these teams. All right, more in a moment. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Remember, we're giving away two more tickets to see the Jazz and the Raptors tonight. We'll do that at 930 right here on The Zone Sports Network.